Hey guys, Wes here to talk to you about Dancing with the Knoxville Stars. Why am I talking to you about Dancing with the Knoxville Stars? Because apparently, guys, check this out. I'm a star. Congratulations me. How about them apples? I will be taking part in this year's event Saturday, April 14th at the Knoxville Convention Center. They're in beautiful downtown Knoxville. Dinner and doors open at 6 p.m., with the show starting at 7 p.m. And what is Dancing with the Knoxville Stars? Well, it's basically like the uh, the hit show, but it's just our little local version of it. And not just so little, guys. Since 2007, this has generated $735,000 in donations to the hospital, hoping to get over the $1 million mark this season. Obviously, them feeling like they adding, added me to the mix, that, that probably helps the chances of getting over a $1 million because people want to see me dance. I've never done this in my life. I'm actually quite terrified of this. But there will be eight of us there. I will be there. Leslie Ackerson from WBIR will be there. Tyrone from Star 102.1 will be there. Also, Heather Haley from WVLT. Laura Helm from WATE. Former professional cheerleader Lisa Henderson. Local sports reporter and PR professional Sarah Mitchell will be there. Dr. Amit Patel also will be there. And then finally, local art patron and philanthropist, the lovely Sylvia Peters, will also be there. So there will be eight of us. We will be competing uh, for dancing prowess, dancing supremacy. I'm probably going to embarrass myself. But here's what you can do, guys. If you want to come see this, here's how you do it. Go to www.etch.com slash DWTKS. Again, that's www.etch.com slash DWTKS. And you can go there and buy your tickets for $75, or you can buy a VIP table, which gets you four seats and complimentary champagne. Dinner will be provided for each ticket, so you don't have to worry about that. Guys, come out and have a good time with us. We're going to have a good time with this. We're going to... Uh, hopefully entertain you. Hopefully we'll have a good time. And if nothing else, we will be helping charity. So again, Dancing with the Knoxville Stars, www.etch.com slash DWTKS. There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right. Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. Punched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening, brunch time, lunch time, watching Champions League football in Rucker Ranch studio time, spring football, American football time in Tennessee almost. March Madness time? Yes, it is March Madness time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown coming to you from Fort Rucker studio on a, a clear, little chilly Wednesday afternoon, not too bad. It's it's cold. It's right around forty degrees. It's cold. We got teased with I'm, like I'm trying. Some, I'm trying to be po- um, positive. We had like some nice spring weather, and then it just decided, hey, it's not. It's still winter. Screw you guys. We're gonna give you forty it, degrees again. It's not like Missouri forty degrees. Where right. It's actually like thirty. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's got like at our house, there's a whole bunch of like flower beds and things like that, and. So things start blooming. You got to cover them, don't you? And then it, it's it's not good. It's not good. We got that whole big the rose bush that grows on the the murder shed in the backyard. 
How's Gary doing? Is he still hibernating? He came back out last week, actually. Uh-oh. He's going to hate this weather, too. I went back there and uh, was in the sunroom and saw all of a sudden turn around, and there he was. And you peed a little bit because he's gotten bigger? He is. No, no, he's actually a little smaller because he's been hibernating, I guess. But uh, I bet he's got like a weight room down there. He, he he's he's getting, he's like the buff hamster of groundhogs, for sure. Guys, we got a lot to talk about today. We're gonna do the football podcast today. This will be released on a Thursday morning. Ramy and I will be back uh, Friday morning with a hoops podcast previewing March Madness time. Tennessee going to St. Louis for some reason for the SEC basketball tournament. What's that about? You know what, though? Everybody's complained about that. Wasn't the SEC tournament in Tampa just like five years ago? Yeah. Tampa, the difference there being Tampa, is in the southeast. I, yeah. I mean... St. Louis is in the Midwest. Having, yeah, having been to Columbia a few times, it's not SEC territory, that's for sure. No, it's not. But it's almost like... Uh, I, heard a, I heard Alanis Morissette playing in a tailgate, and I was like, you've lost your SEC status <laughs> right there. I, here's You're my, gone. Here's my counter to that. Tampa is near one SEC school, Florida. That's it. Yeah. Missouri is at least close to, or St. Louis is at least close to Missouri, and it's a pretty easy drive for Arkansas, which always used to drive, what, 10 hours or whatever to Atlanta to go to the SEC tournament. So you, It's not all that far from Nashville, though, either, is it? Yeah, not, Nashville's not bad. Lexington's not that bad. So you got several schools within five hours or so. So it's at least better than Tampa, which was near nobody but Florida. Although if you're the St. Louis uh, organizers of this, you're – Really excited right now because, uh, first of all, Missouri isn't terrible like they yeah. have been. and Ar- Arkansas is in it. And Michael, uh, Porter. Michael, Michael Porter Jr. is going to play. And yep. so uh, Game changer. You're going to be getting a lot of NBA scout uh, recommend, uh, requests if you haven't already. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people. Hey, uh, we actually want to go to that tournament now. Is that okay? <laughs> uh, maybe we won't I mean, go. you had some guys there anyway. Yeah, well, for sure. You know, Kentucky, some other guys. Sexton, How, Kentucky the, guys. The, 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 big guy, the big guy at uh, Arkansas is a monster. Yeah, he's, How, he's really good. How tough of a ticket would this have been if it had been in Nashville this year with Auburn being good, Tennessee being good? I mean, uh, it would have it been a tough ticket because Kentucky fans have nothing yeah. else to do but go see their basketball This is team. their spring break. It's still going to be a home game for them. Sure. Kentucky's only five hours from there, so. That's easy. Yep. These people saved up all year to go it's to closer, go to basketball Closer than Atlanta, which they used to take over all the time. My, Atlanta. So. My theory with Kentucky fans before – one sidetrack and we'll get to the football talk. We, we are allowed to sidetrack. I, I, don't, I don't understand how some of these people have jobs, especially this time of year. Like You can't like take three weeks out of a month off to go follow the Cats around in the NCAA tournament site. You know, usually it's a, like, it's a yearly thing where it, they play in the SEC tournament and then play the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. It's the same way people take off more than just a few days to go to Florida for spring training for baseball. You know, there's some people that go down there and follow them around for weeks. Or or Arizona if they want to go see champions. Like, how do those people have jobs? Like, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. If I... Told our told my boss like, "Hey, I'm gonna like need all this time off this month to go do this," I'd be like, "No." I mean, that's yeah. regular. I'm just <laughs> saying, in a regular job, you wouldn't you know you wouldn't be allowed to just. And it's not like in some of these places. They're However, not like, they are working in Kentucky, so their bosses might be there also. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, Nashville's different, but like you know, if they're playing in I don't know Chicago or yeah. somewhere in Texas, like that's not an easy like you can't just like get there in a day like. Yep. I don't know. It's just it, that's my theory. I don't know how a lot of these people have jobs. Well, we'll we'll have a lot more on that Friday when Tennessee <laughs> opens up. Are you really going to talk about this on in the basketball podcast? <laughs> uh, we don't. Ramey and I never really know what we're going to talk about yeah. during the. It, it's kind of like the the Rucker and Ramey basketball podcast kind of has a little bit of that old Swain and Rucker 
show thing to it where it's just like a turn on the button and then we just talk and just I, show up. I know it would probably be low quality, but I want to hear one. I want to hear you guys record one on the road sometime. I've said we, we're going to do it in a rental car, two guys, one coupe. <laughs> that's that's uh, for some reason. For some reason, that title always gets shut down, and I don't, I cannot for the life of me, I have imagine why. <laughs> I, I have mean, a theory. Act like you've you seen the YouTube video from act, whatever it was like, ten years act, ago. Act like you didn't laugh. Act like you didn't laugh. It's pretty good. The the Family Guy scene where uh, Brian chose Stewie and films his reaction is well, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's like uh, when we're going to talk about football. We promise. Well, no. Also, I mean, we could talk about one. I'm a professional dancer now. I don't know if you know that. Oh, gosh. Uh, two. You I, do need to. You do need to fundraise for this. So go ahead and have the floor. Two. Oh not no, to I'll, dance on. Well, no. I, I might. On. I think I'm going to play a commercial at the beginning of this podcast <laughs> that may exclusively be focused on uh, dancing and dancing for charity, perhaps. But I, I've decided we were. It's a big secret what we're going to be doing for our dance routine there at uh, Dancing with the Knoxville Stars. No, it's not. You just told me. Well, no, I mean, the guys on the staff know. Oh, okay. But the, the thing is, it's um, – and i got to give a shout-out um, to Rachel Enriquez, the lovely Rachel Enriquez, who is my dancing partner in this. She's the actual professional. And uh, she had an idea that I was like, okay, that's a way better idea. Because mine was like, imagine this. It's like angry, angry Latin pop metal. And it's like Rage Against the Miami Sound Machine. We headbang a little bit, then we do some salsa. What do you think? She was like, no. It's like, come on, your last name's Enriquez. You're not into this? Come on, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. She was like, no, I have this idea. And then I listened to her idea, and I was like, okay, you're right. It's, a, it's a, what's like Ricky Bobby said, you're right, that's an awesome idea. So we got a pretty good thing going on there. And you can go to uh, the website here. I could pull that up real quick. I think we're all going to show up and just heckle you the whole time. That's exactly what well, I would song do. song plays... Boo. That's exactly Boo. what I would do. That that video will be posted on GoVols twenty four seven, rest assured. Yeah, go you can go to uh go Just to Facebook Live. Go to the simple first off, you can go to the website. I'll link it uh pretty religiously for the next six weeks because I'm very competitive and there's a lot of other Knoxville media people in this and I really do not want to lose to them because there's the fundraising competition and then the dancing competition. Ideally I would go two for two, but I'll take a win in either one. Because uh, I'm pretty sure we're gonna win in the dancing one because it's just phenomenal and I'm a natural natural born dancer. But if uh, if you want to go to the East Tennessee Children's Hospital website, that's the important thing here is that a lot of us are doing this to completely publicly humiliate ourselves for uh, the right cause. Uh, my, my mom worked at this hospital for a long time growing up until she uh, left and got her you know, uh, d- other degree and became a nursing professor and dean and all that. She used to be a nurse at Children's Hospital, and it's a, it's a very near and dear cause to this heart. So uh, please, please go. You can buy tickets. You can watch me humiliate myself. You can watch the rest of us humiliate ourselves, and you can uh, have a good time. It's at the Knoxville Convention Center there the week before the Orange and White game. All right, here's my attempt at a segue. Having heard some of the names that are also going to be dancing, and we don't need to mention them because we don't want people listening to go give – them their money i've given you i've given them names they're loser one through loser seven okay well if you were an sec team an sec football team which one would you be bama no 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 why not no why not uh see like that's like that's like i'm gonna be honest th- with th- you. that's like asking me what kind of school utensil i, I would th- be I ruler think, i think you'd have to be like arkansas hmm 
because I don't know that you have a lot of natural. What are you trying to talent. say? What are you trying to say about my physique? I don't know if you are have you a lot of natural um, dancing talent. But every now and then, I mean, you know, Arkansas has been to a couple of SEC championship games, I believe, right? Mizzou has also. Maybe you're the Missouri of the, of the Knoxville I dancing. I kind of like. I kind of like the idea of being Bama. I don't know. I uh, I don't see it. Mm, I don't know. It's possible, but uh, that is. A, a decent attempt at a segue, we'll call it that. We got a bunch to discuss on this show, guys. The we're gonna switch this up a little bit. We normally do our main topic. Uh, we go entree first. Uh, You're now, not supposed to tell them what we're doing. Now we're gonna. No, no, we got it. We are. This is a this is a mutual experience here. This is a shared experience with our listeners, and we're gonna let them know that normally we go entree first, and then uh, we throw in some some other courses. But we're gonna go uh, a little bit more appetizer, appetizer. It's not like than the appetizer is a minor thing though, because there was some big news. Oh in the no, last no, week. no. There's there's a lot of things we're talking about. We got four or five topics on the old. Remember remember what this means. Legal pad time. Legal pad. That means outline, and we got to start. You, are with, you going to take your legal pad to your dance practices and like write down like what you're supposed to do? I took one of the mini ones because I had to write down. <laughs> you, I'm, you try memorizing three minutes of a dance routine. I'm telling you, it, it was like we did like a million things the other day, and she was like, "Congratulations!" That's like the first thirty seconds, and I almost uh, wet myself just out of pure fear right there. But uh, yes. Uh, I am a great dancer. I'm probably the Bama of dancers, but we'll move on and talk about football now. Uh, in case you've missed this, last week we had a lot of info on this, but not confirmation on it. Uh, now there has been confirmation on it. Uh, former Stanford quarterback Keller Christ, former Stanford starting quarterback Keller Christ, all six foot five, 240 pounds of him, is going to be transferring to the University of Tennessee to play his final season of college football. By the way, guys, 6'5", 240 as a frame of reference, uh, that's Admiral Schofield size. By the way, so so this is a, a big dude. This is this is a big dude, and, and he uh, can move pretty and, well. And and I've said this too. I've said this on a lot of different shows and things throughout the past week. Written on the board, all these things. If you're a Tennessee quarterback this year, uh, bad news. You are going to get hit. You're definitely going to get hit. So I think the idea of being a big guy who can take some hits or a really athletic guy who can run away from hits, I'll take either one of those things. Uh, what does this do? For Tennessee, we, we don't need to go too in-depth into it because we mentioned it last week, but some people have said this is just a guy coming in for depth. I don't buy that at all. I think it, this kid is from Palo Alto, California. He wanted to go to Stanford the whole time, went to Stanford. If he's going to leave a place that he loves because there's one reason – because there's a kid who's going to be a sophomore this season who's starting over him, and he's not going to play. He wants to go somewhere, I'm assuming, where he wants to play. And he looked around at Tennessee, and this is how things go these days. Quentin Dormady left because he didn't see a good path to playing time and wanted a fresh start. Uh, another guy who had lost his starting job at a different place sees Tennessee as a great opportunity to get some playing time. So it, it's uh, to me, it's a really fascinating turn of events because – uh, this guy could come in and change the entire dynamic. Won't be here for spring, but will be here in the summer and could change things quickly. Yeah, this is I, I for Tennessee. I think it's a great pickup. I think it's it's exactly what you need. I think regardless of whether Chris starts, and I and I do think you have to like his chances of being Tennessee's starter this year. But regardless of whether he does, he increases the level of competition there. Whereas otherwise, I think this spring we'll see, but. I don't think you have anyone besides Jarrett Garantano that you feel really comfortable with if you're Tennessee. And frankly, I'm not sure whether this staff sees Jarrett Garantano as a guy they're, that they're comfortable with uh, just yet. I think they've got to see what they have in him to some degree uh, this spring. But I think 
having that second guy with a lot of experience uh, that's a veteran who maybe most importantly is kind of what was always viewed as an off the field leader at, at Stanford based on everything we've heard uh, a guy that some you know the players can kind of rally around franchise guy face of the program kind of guy yeah personality wise like like Dormady had to some extent yeah I, well I, I would I mean we we talked a little about uh, about Trey Smith's situation last week, and you yeah. know I, I think could could certainly make up for that loss because otherwise Trey Smith is the the leader of Tennessee's offense when he's out there, and I think Keller Christ has the potential to be that kind of guy for this team uh, to go along with guys like Jawan Jennings if he returns, things like that. But yeah, I, I think it's, at the very least he increases the level of competition, gives you a second option, whereas your backup before was you know maybe Will McBride or or J T Shroud as a true freshman. That's not a great situation if if Will McBride is not a an ideal fit for what Tennessee wants to do offensively. Keller Christ is a good fit for what they want to do offensively. Has a big arm. Completion percentage maybe a little low at Stanford. There are things you can pick apart, but he had a good touchdown inter- interception ratio. Won a lot of games when he was the starter. I think 11 and 2 as a starter in 13 games. Uh part of that because Stanford's just a good team and a good program, but he did some good things at Stanford and I think putting him into Tennessee's offense, there's enough talent there to to work with that you could see him having a pretty good year and, and elevating Tennessee's offense. And if there's any chance of that happening, it's a great move, I think. Yeah, and I, I think it's a good move simply because, and, and Wes, you, saw, you sort of handed out it earlier, that Tennessee might need multiple quarterbacks to start games this year with the state of the offensive line the way it is. I mean, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> When's lot, saying, how many times in the past years has Tennessee had a guy go through the entire season as the guy the whole time, maybe was, once in the past decade? Uh, well, Josh Dobbs did it, but Josh Dobbs is also sort of a freak of nature, just how durable he was, because he ran the ball a ton, Tyler, too. Tyler Bray did it one year, didn't he? His junior year, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, right so a couple left. times in the past decade. But, I mean, you, you go back to, I think, 13, 14, and now last year, that's three seasons under Butch Jones, three to five seasons under Butch Jones, where they had to start three different quarterbacks in the same year. So, I think it provides cover, and I think it gets competition, because now you've got, um, you know, with, with Dormady leaving, I think, you kind of look around and you look at the roster and say, who's going to beat out Garantano? Well, I don't know that anybody had the chance or anybody was realistic. I, I know some people thought McBride played well. I don't, I just don't see him translating well to the system if I'm being totally honest. So uh, I think now you have an actual battle. Now you, you light a fire under Garantano because this spring it's going to be huge for him to make a big, big first spring. impression yep. um, because uh, he, he he's going to have a chance to show that a he can pick the offense up a that he can be a leader for this offense and sort of he win did, over he his did teammates. grow up a little bit at times last year yeah and he grew up he he did grow up a lot and a lot of people I think still hold for some for some reason some people uh, just reading our message board still hold the Georgia Tech thing against him I don't understand that at all I think he showed later in the year that that that's just kind of how he is he he wears his emotions on his sleeve and that's you know he wants to win he's very competitive. That's just how he is, and you know it was a learning moment for him. And I think he grew, he moved past it. But I, I think Chris, again, you you bring in a guy that's going to be, you know, it, you have a competition now, and, and and that's always beneficial. And and you might need both these guys. And and now I think you have a better quarterback situation now because you have another guy that, as Ryan pointed out, has has been successful elsewhere. Well, if if we all get judged by our most publicly embarrassing moment in our first nineteen years of life. Uh, the, especially for us guys out there, that that's going to be an embarrassing moment for for most of us. And if that is his and, and who's to Chernobyl, say he was, then okay, that's well, that's fine. And who's to say he wasn't told that he was going to play? I was going to say he was probably <laughs> misled a little bit by the same thing as I said about Jawan Jennings. Just because what you did was wrong doesn't mean that you didn't have reasons for doing it. Sure, that there's two different things there. There can be there can be an equal and opposite reaction to something that was wrong in the first place. So no, I, yeah, I, I do think. Um, 
I, I don't think fans generally just relate with the mindset at quarterback these days. So I think, I think it's what Jared Garantano expressed in that game is what a lot of quarterbacks feel and mostly show behind the scenes these days. They don't have a lot of patience to sit on the bench and to not be a starter. And for a redshirt freshman to have that reaction, people got to see it on TV, which you often don't. And it, it rubbed people the wrong way. And some people, some fans out there will probably always associate Jared Garantano with what happened that night. Fair, fair or not. But that's just how quarterbacks oh, think these days. Yeah, and, and frankly, a lot of the people that bring that up are also forget that Quint Dormy had one foot out the door yeah. when he lost a starting job midway through last year. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if you, I could say this that I hundred percent know it for sure, but it seems like when he decided in October to undergo shoulder surgery, he was this, his plan was already set in motion to leave. To move. Yep. So because he knew he wasn't going to be out there for spring practice and, uh, with if if Butch Jones' staff had stuck around, he would have still had a shot to compete for the job in August. But you you wouldn't have felt like you had to l- like your chances very much if you were Dormady in that situation. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I do think having that surgery at the time he did was kind of an admission that he was uh, already looking to leave. But I, I back to Chris though. I do think this is a um, this is a move clearly designed. Everything the staff's doing, they're still kicking around other graduate transfers at other positions. Everything they're doing is to bolster the roster now, where they see some weaknesses. This, frankly, was one of the bigger weaknesses on the roster. I'm not sure fans saw it that way because I think a lot of people still felt good about Garantano, but Chris is a guy who is going to come in and give you at least a second capable option, no matter smart what you kid, think. Smart kid, can pick up yeah, the offense, smart, can make throws. Someone you trust to put in the game, and if Garantano had gone down, as we were talking about with injuries, it, it could have been a blow to a team that already might have trouble getting six wins. I mean, imagine that, a, a team that's already got a, just a slim margin for error offensively, and then you take away – the one quarterback the staff might have felt okay about. Uh, so it's it, it, it was a maybe not a must-need, but I think it was pretty close to a must-add must, need, must add, um, at that position to, to, to get somebody else to throw in there this summer. And uh, the interesting thing, though, to me is Tennessee didn't seem to have, that we know of at least, a lot of competition for Keller Christ. And that, that, that sometimes is how it works. Well, he had a lot of interest in Tennessee from the beginning. I, yeah. I, th- I think he looked around the country. And, I, again, I, I've not spoken to the kid uh, about – any of this but I, I look at it like this is a guy who looked around the country and said I got one year I want to go to a big place where can I play where do I have a chance to play and if you're that I think you look at Tennessee right off the bat yeah in a pro style offense with a new coaching staff I mean everything about the situation looked good to him from the outside looking in so it, it makes sense but it's just interesting that with the graduate transfer market sometimes you you see offensive linemen out there. You know, there, there's an offensive tackle at Tennessee went, went after uh, a grad transfer who had 20 or so schools go after him, and he's he narrowed it down to a top five recently, and it's, you know, Auburn, Texas, all kinds of big schools after him. You look at quarterbacks, and it's a different story, and this is a guy who could change Tennessee's depth chart at quarterback entirely this offseason, and Tennessee, he did, Keller Chris didn't take another visit before picking Tennessee, and we're not sure what other teams really – pushed for him um and quarterback can be a tricky spot like i'll be that. interested in that well, first time we get to talk to him I'd, I'd like to ask him that yeah so it's it, it i'm sure some other schools reached out or, or showed some interest or at least kicked the tires to see what the situation was but uh he clearly wanted to go somewhere he could start and that obviously narrows your options right off the bat and, and often you have to go to a smaller school to get that opportunity to start you know and leaving i'm sure that would have been his next best option to go from a place like stanford to a you know, a, a nine power five school to get that opportunity to start or someplace that really didn't have much talent at the quarterback position. Tennessee is not quite that step down. So 
uh, credit to Tennessee for, for getting involved, but uh, it's a good spot for him too to be able to stay at a major program and, and be able to come in and compete for a job. I, I think there's a lot to like about it. you. Look at a guy. I mean, he, in 2014, he was. Let me double check the numbers here. He was a four star guy, like a top, top fifty, one, top 100, yeah, 51, number, number 51 overall player, and the number three pro style quarterback uh, in 2014, according to the 24 uh, seven composite. Um, so, I mean, guy. Haven't watched his his highlights from Stanford. He can push the ball down the field. That's what Tennessee's going to want to do in the pass game. And I think again, you, you, you know, with, with graduate transfers, they're always going to try to pick a place where they can go play. And, and we've seen some work out, and some haven't worked out. I mean, Malik Zaire did not work out at all. First in Florida came to mind for me. Uh, Shaq Wiggins at Tennessee didn't really work out here. But then you know, I guess the you're opposite, welcome. I guess the opposite of that is you know Russell Wilson turned out pretty good. I think it was Wisconsin, right? Yep. So I mean, those those are the the two polls I would say in terms of grad transfer quarterbacks is Zaire and, and Wilson. So if you get anything in between that, I think you're probably pretty happy. But and even Malik Zaire played some at Florida. They they sort of had to force and, him and in to there say and, and and that's not to say that Zaire was a terrible quarterback. Yeah. You know, the situation at Florida wasn't you know it was a little bit like Tennessee where the situation there just wasn't you know it wasn't wasn't made for anybody to come in there and be successful. No. Despite what Michigan's bio for Jim McElwain might say, if yes. you haven't read that, you should go. Some good unintentional comedy. They, are, are, you, they, are you trying to segue to Shark Week? Uh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I think his bio at uh, on Michigan's website points out how how many pass attempts Florida averaged while McElwain was the coach there, which is pretty funny. Who cares how much if you're throwing it around a lot? That doesn't you know. Who cares if you're completing it? At least you're throwing it around. A lot. Hey, they're just looking for some positivity there. I like that. I like that. We need some more positivity. Uh, speaking of that, uh, by the way, the segue here quickly for for positivity. Um, since we're talking about positivity and really good things, let's talk about uh, Butch Jones in Alabama. Um, first off, it, it looks like Alabama has decided that it, it doesn't want energy vampires, which is good. It'd rather um, be a fountain than a drain. Yeah, and so here's what's, in, what's interesting, though, is that this has still not been confirmed. Butch Jones was at Alabama's Pro Day, um, which is always a heck of a Pro Day, uh, down there Wednesday, which is today. I think they're having two pro days. That wouldn't surprise me. All either. the former head coaches were hanging out there. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and Butch Jones was there in an Alabama polo or jacket, some sort of a well, I some think, sort of a crimson apparel thing. Because Bielema and the other guys weren't weren't wearing that. Just just Butch was a picture but, of him online. Yes, that's what we need. We need to we need to talk about. Maybe he. It's possible that he bought the pullover. Yeah, at the store where he was spotted in by some uh, alert Twitter people. Including one guy who apparently seemed to be on his phone googling who it was, just in the picture. D- dude, just go to just 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 go to Amazon, man. Are you trying to make yourself an internet meme here? Like, what are you doing? Go, uh, look, Jeff Bezos and those guys don't need a, another cent. But I'm telling you, just go to Amazon, Butch. But okay, so so he's there, and for whatever reason, talking to Bill Belichick, talking to Bill Belichick. Internet memes all over the place, already really good stuff, really, really making my Wednesday a better day. But when you look at the actual words that came from Nick Saban, he did not confirm that Butch Jones was had been hired as an analyst or anything. He said, we are looking into hiring him. So Butch Jones is there. There's some sort of holdup. Wearing the crimson. What did Saban say? Maybe today? not technically having the job yet. So he's just kind of hanging out. So so he's like going to a concert and wearing the, the shirt of the band that he's going to see, basically. If you, if you this is be- what he's doing. If you read between the lines of what Nick Saban said, it's clearly, I mean, he admitted that they have interest in hiring him, which to me is the thing Nick Saban wouldn't say if they weren't going to hire him. I agree him. with that. 
that. So I think it's more of a semantics and working out the final details of, of the deal before you can say it's official because the way Nick Saban said it, according to uh, Bama Online, the Alabama 24-7 sports site, he said, um, yeah, I don't know where that is. We have issues that we have to go through to be able to hire somebody from another school, and I haven't gotten a report on where that is right now. We are interested in him being a part of our staff. So there's clearly some sort of maybe hang up or just something they have got to finalize paperwork wise before he can come out and say anything. But it clearly looks like things are headed that way for him to admit that they are interested in him being a part of their staff. So if you're Tennessee, you got offered a Jeremy Pruitt for a Butch Jones switch. You're also like, Brian Niedermeyer and, um, and Chris Winkie. And there was a multiplayer trade. Multiplayer trade for Butch Jones. So Tennessee uh, was able to offload a big contract there and, and get a couple others. Good, good business. Good bit of business there by the by the volunteers. So, can we, can we, can we back to Chris for a second, <laughs> just real quick? <laughs> well, I mean, if you I always want, like to look back at old recruiting rankings just to see how they turned out. Uh, there were two quarterback, two pro style quarterbacks in the twenty fourteen. That was the seven, year that wasn't very good, right? That were ranked ahead of Keller Chris coming out of high school. They were Kyle Allen. Yep, went to Texas A and yep. I think he's not Houston. And uh, Will Greer, mm. who Tennessee will see in their next football game. Now that that year, those rankings aren't bad actually, because Will Greer has shown that. Yeah, and Kyle, Kyle Kyle let's is, not go through the rest of them. Though. Yeah, Kyle Allen's pretty talented. So yeah, David I, Cornwell was number four. He yeah, didn't, he didn't turn out. That okay. didn't work out. Drew Barker was number five. He is not no. turned out all right. Mm-hmm. Eastern Kentucky um, quarterback Drew Barker. Deshaun Kaiser was fourteen. Yeah, still four star. Uh, Mason Rudolph down there at sixteen. There's one more. Really maybe we, maybe we didn't get that one. One hundred percent. These are, these right. are the composite ones, right? These are composite ones. Yeah. Yes. So we can blame uh, this on everybody. Yeah. Number okay. twenty-two. Soon to be starter for the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Mm. Down there at number 22. How about that? How about that? Quarter, All right, proceed. Quarter, quarterback always requires some growth. That's a, that's a projection position. And as David Cutcliffe says, you want to take at least you want to take one every year. Yep. Uh, speaking of guys, we were talking about pro days a second ago. Uh, Tennessee's pro day has not occurred yet. Not going to be the biggest show on turf when Tennessee has its uh, – has its pro day this season. Not going to be a ton of guys working out. But, but interesting. But interesting guys. They're, oh, no, there's no doubt. Because Tennessee had uh, Tennessee had several guys at the NFL Combine. Yeah, four, what, four guys at the Combine? And then um, and then you've got guys like Jay Sean Robertson that are also going to be. Ethan Wolf. Ethan Wolf. So Justin Martin. Yeah, some guys who will get who will definitely get camp invites, I think, at the very least. Shaq Wiggins working out at pro day. He already tweeted about it. You know, former Tennessee. Can we say Tennessee legend Shaq Wiggins? Is that? Uh, it's, you know what's going to be great? Is if you're never gonna let this die? No, no, no. This is different. <laughs> this is something else. This is not dancing. This is not something that'll live with me forever. This is if Shaq Wiggins went on to become like a really good NFL player, and then Tennessee tried to claim him. Oh man, boy, that would be hysterical. We have things some like condition about who to how, who'd claim him though. Yeah, it's true because for a lot of teams. Yeah, he's well traveled, well traveled. But Tennessee had several guys at the NFL Combine. I know Patrick, you did a lot of the coverage of that. Watched a lot of that. Spearheaded that coverage for us. What what did happen for Tennessee at Pro Day? Good, bad, indifferent, undecided. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, first of all, I I could sit and watch the Combine for hours. Uh, I don't know why that stuff just fascinates me to see all. College guys work out. I just want to watch that one guy dance before his return. <laughs> yes. Uh, big thing to me was, uh, first of all, John Kelly didn't run the 40, which I thought was interesting. I think that's like that's like for refusing to take a breathalyzer. Like, we know your answer. If you're not yeah, going to run it, we know your answer. If you send it out, you're usually not running a 4-4-1. Yeah. But I, I, don't, you know, I don't know what he – I don't know if that was for fear of something. I, I, I don't really know. Um, I, Rashawn Golden didn't run really well. He was at 4-6-1. 
Um, I didn't think he would run the run that well though. Um, he he's a guy that I think quicker than if, fast. If you're not a corner, that's not a deal breaker. Quicker than fast think. is is yeah, that's the term that they use. And you know that he, I think he more or less maybe confirmed that he is a, a, a nickel corner at the next level. I think some, some or be, safety. I think I think he's a guy that can I do both. Some of those safeties, man, they were yeah. Some of those safeties were running some. You got this white dude from Penn State. I mean, Deion Sanders had about fell over. <laughs> a Troy Apke ran like a four three four. I just uh, think that that's I, that, that was like Harrison Smith at the combine. I think Golden's now. meal ticket is to play nickel, and that'll and be his primary teams. position, but to also be versatile enough to play special teams and safety, just to yeah. give you. Kind he's, of a, a, he's a really smart kid. You can put it, him on your fifty three man, and he can help you during having on a, game a Swiss day. Army knife back there is valuable these days. And, and he's a guy that I didn't I didn't expect him to to blow anyone away. I think he's better when he's got the pads on. And he can light people up and play reckless and use his instincts. That's why I mean, you couldn't watch Tennessee play defense last year. Number seven was around the ball all the time. I mean, and he was around the ball because of his instincts and because of his knowledge of the game and because he just has sort of a feel more so than he runs a four four. So um, yeah, and I have to give a shout out to Trevor Daniel. Um, some of his numbers were <laughs> rather ridiculous. How many more bench press reps did he have than Rashawn Golden? Uh, well, Golden did eight. Trevor Daniel did twenty three. Um, he's a bigger that dude. That had to be Gold. a record for punters, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know how many punters have actually done the bench at the combine. Who's watching the punters do the bench? So, also, if you're a punter, why are you bench pressing? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not hating. I'm just saying, like, it just. Well, he he and uh, I think he and J.K. Scott were the only ones who even ran the 40. Um, the punters did the testing the same day as the, as the running backs in the offensive line. And Trevor Daniel did more reps on the bench of 225 than 15 offensive linemen. And all but three running backs. That's incredible. Uh, the three running backs, I think, uh, the three running backs were Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, and I don't remember the other one was. But have you have you ever seen Trevor da- those those clips of Trevor Daniel playing basketball? Though, dude can well, throw that, that, a hammer that's a, down. That's a good segue. His vertical jump was thirty two and a half inches. He which can throw it down. Was uh, Khalil McKenzie did a twenty nine and a half inch vertical, which is still pretty good. At his size big. is good. Uh, and Golden was at thirty. So what was Kelly at? Let me see here. Got this pulled up. Kelly Kelly had a thirty five foot, thirty five inch vertical. That's pretty good. Thirty five foot would be Spider Man. Yes, uh, but yeah, I mean, you look at you know what else did, did Daniel do? He was four point nine eight in the in the forty. That's not bad. I mean that that's like we we we're gonna have to almost we're gonna have to find a way to get Trevor Daniel on the podcast. That that that's that's know, impressive stuff right there. You know, I caught his punt one time in practice after practice. That's true. Was it a knuckler? Well, how, how and, bad and, was and that? He hit it right at me. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and he gave me a he gave me a. A can of corn, as, nice, as they'd say in baseball. Nice spiral, easy to Texas catch. Texas leaguer. I also don't remember uh, us ever getting the benefits we were promised from that. No, we didn't, but that coach isn't here anymore. Um, but, no, uh, his uh, his broad jump was 9 foot 11 inches. That was right, I mean, comparable to what uh, Kelly did. Better than McKenzie, better than Golden. I mean, it was the same as Golden. So you got this punter who a lot of people, uh, he's a punter. All he has to do is kick. But even, even the punters and even the top-level punters in college – and the NFL are like, I'm just saying, pretty good athletes. If he can square, maybe not Sebastian, maybe not Sebastian Janikowski. I don't know what his combine numbers would be. If he can square you up, he's gonna he, he could he could he could lay a whooping on you if he could if he can get you squared up and he can get a hit on you. He, he's a pretty strong dude. That, so, that's that. Those aren't the, those numbers aren't joke. Those are those are really really impressive physical stature type numbers. Those those are they get your attention. Now I don't know how much they translate to what he actually has to do, but still like that's awesome. Good for him. Yeah, uh, really. I mean, I was going through these numbers uh, on Tuesday, and I was just like, "Like, that guy was pretty good." And I, you know, I was trying to see uh, on the on the NFL's website they have a combine track where you can sort 
by position and by event or whatever. And I was trying to see if Trevor Daniel made it on the first page of the bench press for the whole combine. He just missed it. But that means you're talking you're talking running backs, linebackers. Maybe maybe, maybe like Orlando Brown, his his breathing routine could have been better, and he could have benched even more. Um, but yeah, like uh, I, you know, I think Golden Kelly are, are going to get drafted for sure. McKenzie, maybe seeing him in a couple mocks now, he, which he, is interesting. Yeah, and I don't I don't I don't know if any of these guys are going to get in the first three rounds. So I think that Saturday the draft is going to be the busiest for these guys. Um, I still think somebody could just maybe look at Kalil McKenzie and go. I want, take a chance I'll, on I'll, him. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll take a chance on him late. Yeah, see what happens. See if he, you know, get him in a camp. See what he can do. I mean, he wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't be the first Tennessee player that didn't play all that great in college that went on to do pretty well in the pros. There was a uh, tweet last week that threw quite a bit of shade at Tennessee in that regard. Yeah. Someone saying something along the lines of, "I feel like we have to say this about almost every Tennessee player, but this is a guy who might play better than he did in college." <laughs> it's become a thing. I mean, it's fair and, or not. And you've had people say, uh, "Ouch!" That, but you're not wrong. That, that John Kelly was what, criminally underused at Tennessee, yeah. stuff like that. So, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, it's almost like Tennessee's previous coach should have been fired. He was. Uh, it, well, I want to see if Kelly runs the forty at Tennessee's pro day. That's that's my biggest thing. I don't know why he didn't run it there. It seems odd. He wasn't the only running back that didn't do it. I think uh, Josh Adams from Notre Dame is another guy that I think a lot of people have ahead of Kelly that didn't run it. And Carry On Johnson as well also didn't run it. So, if he runs at Tennessee's pro day, I don't think it will be viewed as quite as big of a deal. But it is. It always makes you wonder. And from Kelly's perspective, he's not a very big running back, so you don't need to have a bad time to go along with not being very big. And I think you could worry that. This is the yeah. guy. This is the guy who's getting some third round projections, and if you go out there and run a four six seven or something, that could that could. I, I still say you can. You can also just turn on the film and say, yeah, I like I like what I'm seeing. And, there. I, and a lot of guys will, but it, but a slow time can kind of put a pin in that balloon a little bit if, yep. if you do that on the, pro day. The biggest question Kelly's going to have to answer is why his production was so just it tailed off quite dramatically uh, in October and November of this past season. I can I can explain that. Though. I mean that's easy to explain. Yeah, <coughs> O line. He just needs to. Uh, and I think the film would back that up. I would. I would think. He needs to say, I mean, he needs to tell every NFL team, if you draft me, you're going to get this, and then hand them the, the Florida tape, the bigger the Georgia Tech tape. The bigger question he's going to get probably is about what happened that kept him out of the Kentucky game. Yeah, and that's the fact that his production wasn't good after he came back from that, so you, you wonder maybe if he was a little bit affected by that whole situation. or hey, It was an like. embarrassing situation yeah. for a kid, you know, it's... It's not what you what you what you like. So did did anybody really? I think what we're getting right right here is nobody really seemed to hurt themselves too badly. You know, I don't think any of these guys went like, "Wow, they really crushed it." But I don't know if anybody really really hurt. Nobody themselves. nobody pulled an Orlando Brown, which yeah. I think is going to start being a verb after that yeah. was just he Orlando Browned that. Yeah, I don't think Golden helped himself, but I don't think he hurt himself a lot either because speed was never really thought to be his game. Uh, and he still looked fine in some of the position drills and it, things. And Just he's turn on the film, he, football and player. Have, and he's going to have to answer about what he did at Alabama's. I yeah. mean, he ran his first forty, and the and, you know the NFL Network guys are joking about it. About you know uh, Mike Mayock says, I know a lot of Alabama fans don't like him because of this, and then Charles Davis VFL. It's like uh, it actually wasn't one finger; it was two fingers, <laughs> one yeah. on each hand. I was like, "That oh, boy, Charles." He told them they were number one in each major poll <laughs> at that point. That's all he did. Uh, and so, I mean, yeah. the NFL—they just find you and you move on. Who cares? I, I mean, I don't—I don't think that's a big deal. I think that's just a heat of the moment thing. And, and Galton apologized for it. He was very—you know—I would say he was contrite about. Or, contrite? Am I using that word right? Yeah, contrite. He was sincere, contrite, all those things. Yeah, and so I—he, I, yeah, I didn't—I don't—I don't think that should be an issue for him, but. Yeah, we'll just have to see. I mean, I don't, I don't think Tennessee's going to go over in the draft again, but uh, they might next year. <laughs> yeah, we were Impossible. looking at the, we were looking at that on the 
on the site, we uh, Patrick and I actually both had we have hey, a killer crust. We, we turn in our weekly content ideas that we put together and put out kind of a, a rough outline for the week, and then of course the whole thing goes to hell in like a day or two because news always breaks at a feverish pace here. But we have an outline going into the week, and Patrick and I both were trying to do the hey, let's Great look minds. at let's look at who might uh, who might get taken from Tennessee, who who might go to the combine next year for the Vols. Boy, taking a lot of chances there. That that was <laughs> you're like. Yeah, if this happens and well, if this happens, and all, you, all, you that, need to, all you need to know is there's eight guys on the list. Two of them technically aren't actually on the team right now. Yeah. One of those being Keller Chris, the other being Juwan Jennings. I realized as I was uh, writing the Chris part out, Jared Grantano would be is draft eligible after this year too. So who's to say he doesn't unforeseeably now, light it up and then? Hey, kudos to Garantano. I've not detected one passive-aggressive subtweet since the whole Keller Chris thing happened, and I got to say, I'm a little bit impressed Hold by on. that. Hold on, there was one, wasn't there? Oh, one was there? <laughs> could have been interpreted a little bit that way. I, I mean, mean, did he tweet a Bible verse or something? Am yeah. I going to have to do a hashtag retraction? Yeah, here? there's probably a little bit of a stretch there, but there's one that could be interpreted that way if you wanted to. Let me, let me find that while we're discussing something else. Well, I mean, I, I think that if you're him, and I might write a column about this too, if you're looking at it, this is either a good thing for Garantano in that competition, you know, iron sharpens iron, cream rises to the top, cliche after cliche, all those good things. Or you can look at it like Garantano, if he's the kind of guy that you you just really can't push him too hard to get his best. Because some guys are like that. If you give them too much competition, if you do that, they're, they're not going to be at their best. You kind of have to be softer with them. And I don't know what kind of guy he ultimately is, but – if you're Tennessee, you have to hope this is a good thing. So there were two tweets that could have been, if you're just a cynical person, that could have been interpreted as some I, sort of I, reference. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty cynical person. <laughs> so, so there was one on February 25th, which coincidentally was at the end of the weekend when Tennessee hosted Keller Christ on his mm-hmm. visit and when he came out and said publicly uh, in his interview with us and, and, and at least one other interview that basically Tennessee had everything he wanted in his school and that, you know, he kind of led you to believe that he might end up at Tennessee that day. Uh, so Jarrett Garantano tweeted that evening, can't believe I graduate next summer with an emoji of like kind of a, a stunned, like I can't believe it face. But it could be interpreted as a, uh, hmm. okay, yeah. You I want to add a grad transfer? I can move mm, on as a grad transfer next year too. Yeah, you could put two and two together on that. So, you could. So that's maybe a little bit of a stretch, but there's that one. And then I believe there was one that was kind of like a, yeah, maybe not a Bible verse, but something along those lines um, once Keller Chris did announce that. So uh, again, loose loose connection there. So you could have read something into that. But um, yeah, so far yeah, you nothing. tweet like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want competition. Because <laughs> if he did that, that would be a subtweet well, for sure. So he, oh, here's what: it, so he retweeted so, uh, uh, a tweet that said, "When all else fails, or when all else fades, God remains." And he said, "Always such a beautiful day, knowing you're in Christ's hands." So nothing at all football referencing there. So I'm, I'm going to throw two out of the equation as a potential one. One, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give the kid the benefit of the doubt, but you could see that as a little bit of some passive aggressive shade there a little bit like hey like i, I hey you know, it's crazy that i could leave next year and you know go play wherever i want yep so yeah i mean the, i can see it the go vols 24 7 podcast come for the west rucker dance practice solicitations and stay for the breakdown of jerry Gantano, Gantano's no, twitter account. they're not they're not they're not dance practice solicitations they're dance competition solicitations Whatever. i'm a competitive dancer patrick i don't know why you're laughing this is important to me this is my this is my art my passion I don't know why you have to sit here and be a jerk about it. 
like to see you try. I want to. I want to. I want to show up to your event and support you. But it, it would be pretty incredible if we showed up and Wes is like actually the best dancer. And we the should entire... get T-shirts made. Yeah, with your telling face you, on them. the Rachel is is pretty. Uh, she she's she she's really good. She's also like a like a teacher, so she is really good about being positive all the time. And I had to tell her like, listen, I know I suck at some of this. And you're going to have to tell me that I suck at some of this or else I'm not going to get any better. Like, I'm used to, I mean, I'm going to give you, Rachel, my dad's name is Rawhide. Does that give you some idea as to what sort of uh, gets the best out of me sometimes? You, you got She's like, well, it's just, you got to be positive. Like, I don't know. Sometimes you, sometimes you can't be positive. Uh, and you know what else you can't always be positive about is uh, some of the things that you're looking at with Tennessee's offense going into, into this spring. There are a lot of... Potential concerns. And not just quarterback. Yeah, we, we've danced around this. And it's good that we've mentioned Chris because he won't be out there this spring. So we got that talk out of the way. And now we can talk about what actually will be there in the spring, which is, um, you know, maybe not a ton. Maybe not a ton. Guys, What when we look at this offense, what do we, what do we see here? Is this as potentially dire as it seems or – do you maybe get a new coach bump? Do you do you get some some different ideas up there? Some some new ways to look at things, and you you get a, a staff who can get more out of these guys than they've shown so far. Well, I think in the spring you're going to get a lot of install on both sides of the ball. So mm-hmm. you're you're implementing new systems. So you're basically starting from scratch, uh, especially on offense. I think I think the transition on offense I think is going to be more tangent than. This is the transition on defense because they're still going to play a lot of nickel. That's what Tennessee's played a lot of the last couple of years. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to have to fit some guys into some different spots up front on the defensive line and at linebacker. But on the offense, I mean, you're going from spread shotgun all the time to m- maybe a little bit more of a traditional pro style under center, that kind of thing. So, uh, and then we're going to have to see if they move any, you know, how, how you know, position changes are going to be, I think something definitely to watch. Uh, there's, there's been some scuttle. We sort of mentioned it last week about Carlin Phil's and me maybe going to defense. We'll have to see if they move anybody from defense over the offensive line to help there. So, uh, that's, you know, it's sort of a start from scratch kind of thing on, on, on the offense. And, um, I, I we're not going to, I don't know how much of it we'll get to see, but it's going to be interesting to talk to these guys and see what their kind of views of, uh, of going from, Offense eight, offense B is going to be. Yeah, you 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 made a good reference there. We don't know what the media policy this spring is going to be. How much different things could be? They they could shut down all of practice, or we may get to see more than we used to under Butch Jones. Who knows at this point? But uh, either way, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to follow whatever we can out of all of this stuff. And like you said, probably a lot of install, probably a lot of just feeling things out. You know, seeing what you have for the staff. Um, I do think once you get into the fall, that this will be a football team that practices more physically than what we've seen in, in the past i think this this staff will want to hit a good bit and at least have have a have a good amount of thud practices and things like that but uh how much how much of that do you see this spring are you trying to set the you know set the tempo set the tone with with physical practices right away or are you just trying to kind of get a feel for what you have it'll, it'll be interesting to see how much they try to set the tone from day one yeah the, when you're talking about tone i think that's always the important thing in a spring and and uh, I look at the uh, this as two ways. I think there's only two ways you can go about this, really, if if you're Pruitt. One, uh, you go in there and you break everybody down to build them back up. 
uh, that's that's what a lot of coaches would do in this situation. And if he does that, I think hey, there's the, there there would be some reasons to do that. The other one is, do you try to instill confidence from the beginning because you know this team has a small margin for error? And rather than sitting there and hammering home the idea, which I think Butch Jones did sometimes, about constantly focusing on what teams could do to them and how things would be tough versus what you can actually do, the things that you can do to hurt the opponent. Where where can this team be good? Let's make this team feel good about themselves. They can do this, and they can do this well. Uh, I think it gets tough if you try to mix those two messages. I think you kind of have to be one or the other. I think players like that kind of straightforward approach, and I'm going to be interested to see which way Pruitt goes. Does he go junction boys on this and just kind of weed the herd and, and call the call the herd a little bit and see what he's got and see who's going to be tough enough, kind of like Rick Barnes did with his team last offseason when he just had them run more than any team he's ever had run because he said he just wanted to see who would stick around and who would be tough and who would be uh, the kind of guy who wanted to be there and wanted to win. Or do you know, hey, this team's going to have to have confidence to play well, so let's give them some confidence. I think those are the two ways you can go. I, well, I, I think on offense is – I think that's where you maybe would want to err on the side of giving them confidence because they didn't have any last year. And then, and then you know, the situation with Trey, if they're out there without him, you know, they have this big monster that they've grown accustomed to seeing on their offensive line. Now they don't see him there. Uh, defensively, I think they've got enough experience and enough, you know, that's – I think that's where the staff is going to – that's where they're going to win is on the defense side of the ball. They're, yeah. they're going to try to – that's what they. That's what Pruitt's done. That's what a lot of these guys do. And so I think that's the side of the ball where you're going to be a little bit more hard-headed and say, if you don't fit what we do, if you can't hang with what we want to do, then there's the door. And that and Wes, That's my theory. Wes, to your original question about, you know, how, how rough will things look or how, how – how you know, Bear is the cupboard somewhat on offense. With you know, you take John Kelly out of the equation, you take out some guys like Jay Sean Robertson, Ethan Wolf that were key players on last year's team. Quentin Dormady on his way out. Uh, Venzel Bullware and other guys that were depth on the offensive line also gone. Even with all that, still among the players you have coming back or who are expected to play big roles this year, this is this is going to look like an incomplete team in in a few spots because Trey Smith out for at least a large portion of the spring. You're not going to have Keller Crist out there, as you alluded to a second ago, until this summer. So he he won't be out there this spring finishing up his classes at Stanford. And then on top of that, you won't have Dominic Wood Anderson, who might be your starting tight end this season. So at tight end, you're still working with some guys who are, you know, as as one of their coaches put it during a recruiting visit recently, kind of one-dimensional tight ends for what the staff wants. They're, They're guys who are not great run blockers in most cases, but who are decent weapons maybe in the passing game or former high school receivers yeah. that you're trying to bulk up into tight ends and you got to see what you can get out of those guys including jacob warren who just enrolled uh in january and who who was like 215 pounds a couple months ago Yeah, he's gonna need a lot of muscle milk yeah so you've got uh you've a lot got, of lean protein so you've got you know plenty to work with obviously uh there, there there are still some guys out there at wide receiver that you like there's still some talented running backs like ty chandler and and tim jordan that i think are you know have shown promise you've got to see what you've got in jared garantano and will mcbride at quarterback and it's a huge spring for for garantano especially with christ on the way in uh and then some at least some interesting pieces at tight end uh and on the offensive line to work with but without trey smith without keller chris without dominic wood anderson i i just think this is not going to look a lot like the offense that we're going to see this fall in a couple a couple key spots and especially if trey smith comes back uh by this summer or so uh, that offensive line will not very closely resemble what you'll see out there in the fall yeah one thing that i'm 
Or maybe another Curious guy. About. Another okay. guy. Yeah, they could add a grad transfer or something there still. Another guy you're, you're not mentioning is John Jennings. Too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's a guy that, that doesn't appear to be, as far as I know, doesn't appear to be have resumed, resumed any sort of team I was going to say, that'll, stuff. that'll be a storyline to watch for sure, whether he does get to do anything this spring. I, don't, I, don't, I won't rule it out. It's, it's possible. No. But I don't think from day one he gets to. I think if it does anything, it would be maybe toward the end of the spring at best. Yeah, I, and, I think getting him. Go ahead. If he's, not, if he's not doing team stuff now, I don't think he yeah. will be. I at would, least at the start of spring. But I, that I, could change. Yeah, the most important thing is, is Jawan Jennings doing the things that he has been asked to do so he can make himself a, a part of the program again. That, there's 100% it is 100% correct that the most important thing is him getting back on the team the right way however with that said I think the second that you can put him back on this team I think you need to I think you put him on the field I think he makes everybody more competitive I think he gets everybody more fired up to play it's just a guy that if you go out there on the field every day and you know that guy's with you you're just you're gonna you're gonna be sharper. You're gonna practice better. You're gonna have a better attitude about things. So I would call that one B. Uh, but one A without without question is him getting back on the team the right way and sustaining the kind of discipline he needs uh, in order to to fulfill those promises and and to to be the kind of guy he told them he can be. But they also need him on the field. Now, and I think for so many reasons. Now the the position that's going to be the toughest and it's going to make everything difficult is the offensive line. You're going to be down to potentially what seven scholarship seven. players this spring, and that, that's just tough. I mean, your two deep is going to include a few walk-ons. It's going to look a lot like it did, frankly, at the end of last season when we thought, how much worse can it really get? Um, you know, Karon Calvert. Tennessee was like, hold my beer. Yeah, I, I mean, Karon yeah. K- Calvert. Yeah. Um, it, it looks like is not worked his way back from that knee surgery he had last season yet you know chance hall nathan kneehouse doesn't sound like they're counting on those guys being out there this spring so that that leaves you with not a lot of options especially with trey smith likely missing all the spring or at least a large portion of it um so that's that's a lot to to not have out there and then you're you know you're looking for starters at a couple positions depending on where certain guys slot in could be you know, left guard with with trey smith not out there it could be right tackle but you got a couple spots that are going to be really uncertain uh, where you you need additional guys to be added to the mix, you need you need Tanner Antonuti and Jameer Johnson to be added to the mix this summer to at least see what you have there. But they're going to have to some guys are going to have to work in multiple positions on the offensive line. There's no way around it because you've got to give yourself options to to get through the spring. And and now what happens is with seven scholarship guys, if you get a, a player or two banged up at some point this spring, then you're really shuffling guys around just to have a starting five or something resembling a starting five. So. You need to keep that offensive line healthy. And when you have a banged up offensive line and just are short on depth there, it makes everything else harder. And uh and what what's gonna be interesting is how they can get through this spring and you know, can they can they play effective eleven on eleven football with what they have on the offensive line? It's gonna be hard for the run game to even get a lot of work in with that group they have up there. Yeah, well one thing I'm really curious about here is if you're Tennessee, we know on offense that if we had to say, if if all of us to a man had to say who on this offense needs to have the best spring, who is it most important for, I think we would all say Jared Garantano for many reasons. Uh, and that would have been the case maybe even before Chris uh, got into the picture. So, uh, But that's clearly number one. Beyond that, though, who are a couple more guys who this is an absolutely huge spring for because we know Garantano we don't have to talk about that one too much but who else do we know this is going to be a huge spring for I'll I'll start at wide receiver because I, I think that's the position that's actually the most interesting uh this this spring because you you should have most of those guys out there aside from Jawan Jennings I, I think this is a huge spring 
for guys like Latrell Williams, uh, Jacquez Jones, some of those some of those guys who didn't get much of a chance uh, in the past, they they now run the risk of being buried on the depth chart if Jawan Jennings is added back into the mix. And this staff might not play as many wide receivers as the former staff did. That'll be interesting to see how much they try to rotate at that position. But if you're not running as much as much three and four wide receiver stuff, um, you could maybe see you know only four or five receivers tops play in a lot of games and that could leave it to guys like Jawan Jennings, Brandon Johnson, Marquez Callaway. Does Alante Taylor get in there some as a freshman? You know, heard some good early returns on him so far in, in offseason workouts. Um, so you've got some real competition there to where if you're a guy like Latrell Williams, especially with them adding to that position, presumably in the 2019 class quite a bit, you've got to make an impression this year uh, to make yourself a, a commodity. So I think it's a big spring for those guys who haven't shown much in the past at wide receiver. I'll, I'll, I'll go two names. Uh, one is Latrell Bumpus, uh, West Tennessee guy. So I guess we get to claim him in Memphis. Yeah, you do. Um, and, and right now, I think he's the only tight end on the roster that fits what they want to do. I mean, from a from a big physical run blocking standpoint, um, you know, he he can be sort of their uh, one of their big blocking tight ends. Some, I think somebody threw it out. You know, would he be an offense? Would they move him to offensive line? I don't I don't see that happening. I don't see. That. I don't think he can get that big. Um, it could, but I, I don't see. <laughs> if they need it him at tight end, yeah. But the, yeah, I mean, they need him at tight end. I think I, I think if he. And he has not been moved to defense, by the way. I know some people asked if that might happen. I, that that never, it, they got enough defensive linemen. Yeah, I mean, people, at least well, I mean, in terms of numbers. Yeah, in terms of numbers. They were looking for defensive ends in this class, so I get why people might have thought that, just knowing the former staff kind of saw him as a possible pass rushing type coming out of high school at one point. But, no, he is he's still working at tight end, and that, that seems to be a, a good fit for him, like you said. Yeah, I mean, if, uh, there's a real. I think there's a real chance he could, he and, and Dominic Wood Anderson could be their top two tight ends when the season gets here, and, and that's not a bad situation to be in necessarily so i think it's a big spring for him to show that he can be a physical run blocker and to see if he's improved his ability to stretch the field down the middle of the field and uh, and make plays that way another guy and you know you talk about the offensive line i, I think drew richmond's got to show you know he, he's either got to show up or or shut up at some point i mean it, it's he, he's been he was disappointing this past season i think he showed some signs that he could be a decent player towards the end of 2016 uh, with the new staff that's that's going to be pushing you know a different kind of style up front, I think it's 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 go time for him. Yeah, I mean he's just he's never struck me as much of a self starter. He just needs to kind of be more kind of in tuned and focused and and really kind of you know committed to what they're doing. If he does that, I think he has some ability. He just he needs to get bigger and stronger still and i think he needs to just he needs to have a little bit more juice to him i think yeah and and he's a guy that's probably at this point might be your left tackle he might have to be your left tackle well, i think he has other to options. i think he has to be mm-hmm. i mean when you're looking at the offensive line that they have he's played it before he's comfortable over there i mean there's not any other options to play that position other than him yeah i think uh, so he, I, I think this is a huge sprint he's got to he's got to start showing something he's he's got to take a big step from where he was uh and where he in a lot of ways, both on the field, I think, and off the field as well from where he ended last season. Yeah, you and I were, were on the same page kind of with that, but I, I had a couple different offensive linemen. I think it's going to be – because I think I agree how big it is for Richmond, but I also know that they just kind of have to have him. Like, he, they have to throw him out there, and, yeah. and that's – He's playing so, somewhere, so I think. So that's why I give, give him a, a couple other names. I think Riley Locklear and Ryan Johnson are, are two guys who, uh, if you're Tennessee and, and, and you want to be decent on the offensive line – you need both of those guys to be ready to help you. 
and that you need both of those guys to, you know, if, if it's Johnson, he, he's been on a pretty nice progression. He, he's been getting better. He just needs to keep doing that. He, he's a big, strong, physical kid. Uh, he just needs to take it to another level. And Locklear's a guy I definitely like. Uh, I think he's a, he's a guy who's got some ability. Uh, he's got some toughness to him, some nastiness. Uh, I, I think those two guys, if you're going to be good on the offensive line, because you have so many questions, even, even if you – suspend disbelief for a minute and say that Trey Smith definitely will be back. Even if you are one of those, you know, sunny side up guys and you say Trey's definitely coming back, you're still going to need those two young guys. Uh, and Ryan Johnson isn't even really a young guy anymore. It's time for those guys to to step up, get to another level, and help this offensive line because uh, Tennessee desperately needs those two to be good. It, it's all hands on deck in the offensive line at this point. I mean, oh, yeah. It's all hands on deck it, for yeah. Jerome Carvin, Ollie Lane, the two new guys when they get here in the summer, I mean, it's like they don't have time to like, if to just kind of dawdle. I you mean, mentioned they, they got to go, and even a guy like Tanner and Anuti who yep. needs a redshirt year, Ollie Lane probably needs a redshirt year too. They're in the not, too deep though. Yeah, you you don't have that luxury. And, Welcome and, to college football. And you mentioned Ryan Johnson and, and Riley Locklear. If one of those guys isn't your starting center, I don't know who it is. So I think one of those guys at yeah. least has to be starting, and it may be both. If you if you looked at their ideal lineup today, it probably would include Locklear at center and Ryan Johnson at right guard. Probably. So, something along those lines. Unless unless Tennessee still adds a grad transfer offensive lineman who, who gives them another potential starter, which isn't out of the question uh, at this point. Uh, I, in addition, to, I, I, I kind of gave more of a – position wide answer almost because to me the spring you know people like to focus on position battles to me the spring is more about the guys who are trying to put themselves in position battles who are trying to keep from getting eliminated basically and when a new staff comes in that's that's what i look at so it's a great point you want to be you you want to before the new fresh new toys come in you want to make a good impression you got to show you're at least in the discussion so that's why i look at guys like like jacques jones and and uh latrell williams at receiver you know that receiver i I didn't mention josh palmer he's a guy that's shown before he can at least make some plays he needs to be more consistent with it jordan murphy is another guy who showed some a couple flashes here and there but he needs to show something this year before they get more depth at receiver uh in the next year or so so yeah i i think there and then on the offensive line patrick touched on it i, I think jerome carvin is, is one of the guys i'll be watching really closely yeah. this spring mm-hmm. to see because he's the one you look at those other freshmen coming in he's the one guy i look at there and say he could be a starter or a major contributor as a true freshman if he had to be and so how close he is to being ready this spring uh will be fascinating to watch i think it's a big spring for him um, not that he doesn't have plenty of time to develop if he's not ready, but it's big for this team's depth to have another option there. And Jerome Carvin at least needs to be ready to be a sixth or seventh man on the offensive line, if not a starter this year. Before we get out of here, guys, what would be a good spring for Tennessee's offense? What would constitute a a good situation for Tennessee at that spot uh, across the board on offense, what would be – it doesn't have to be perfect, but what would be a good spring for this offense? Not, not getting anybody hurt on the offensive <laughs> line uh, because you can't afford it at this point. Um, yeah. So I, I would start there. Uh, I, I think you know we haven't touched on this position much because I think a lot of people just assume Ty Chandler's the guy, but figuring out something at running back. I think you've got to, if not just identify two guys you like, you've got to at least feel good about your options there. Tim Buff Hamster. Yeah. Tim, Tim, Timmy Jordan would have been a good name to add to the – yeah, big spring. Uh, it's, a, it's a big spring. He's for still him. above hamster with Jeremy Banks. Hamster. With Jeremy Banks coming in this this summer, that's a, that it is a big spring for Tim Jordan too to to put himself in that discussion for for at least number two duties, even if Ty Chandler is the guy. But you do have to, as much as this staff wants to run the ball, you've got to at least come away feeling decent about your options at running back. I think so. Uh, it's a big spring for that. That would be part of a successful spring, and then also I think 
you know, we'll, we'll see if this can happen, but I think somebody at re- you've got to feel good about your playmakers at receiver, even if you don't have anything resembling an answer at quarterback at the end of the spring. I think you've got to come away feeling better about three or four of your receivers and, and thinking you have some guys who can make plays regardless of whether Keller Christ or Jarrett Garantano is throwing to them. So I think offensive line, running back, wide receiver, get some answers there and hope that the quarterback and tight end stuff looks looks better once you have everybody on board this summer. I, I think the biggest thing is you need to have some sort of signs of hope leaving the spring because, as you mentioned, got to be good at something. As you mentioned, Ryan, there, there's there's going to be additions and pieces that are out of the offense between the spring and the season, uh, including Wood Anderson, a couple offensive linemen, potentially Juwan Jennings, any other grad transfers, Kellen Chris, Keller Christ. So, to me, three the three areas of hope, three areas where you want to find hope is obviously one is the offensive line. I think you need to see something from Jerome Carbon and maybe a couple other guys. If you leave spring saying, you know, what, I think I think Jerome's going to be able to help us right away. I think that's a good sign. Um, Two, I think you need to be able to find some playmakers. You need to be leaving spring saying, okay, Ty Chandler and Marquez Callaway, whoever it's going to be, those are going to be two of our guys. We're going to get them the ball a lot, and they're going to have the ball in their hands. They're going to make plays for us. And then I think he needs – Jerry Garantano needs to show you something. Or he just gets pissed off from the situation and, and just plays really well or what you know takes the team by the horns, whatever it is. You need to find some sort of – there needs just, there's just needs to be signs of hope. You don't want, you and, don't want, and he it, needs to give hope to his teammates. Yeah. Yes, and that's part of it too. And he needs, you know, you need to find ways to inspire confidence from this group because after last year, I don't know where their confidence is. And maybe maybe their confidence is reset to zero because hey, it's a new staff. It's not going to be like it was last year. You know, tomorrow, you know, it's a new day, new time, whatever. But that I think those are the the things that that need to happen. And there are big question marks Tennessee has on defense too. Definitely the defensive line definitely the secondary cornerback in particular, but I think still in general, and we kind of alluded to this earlier, the offense has the bigger concerns and maybe the most questions to answer going into this year. So that this is, that's the side of the ball where you mentioned, you've got to get some confidence. You got to feel good about something coming out of the spring and you got to, you got maybe the most work to do on the offense side of the ball and a less experienced coaching staff on that side of the ball too. So uh, a lot that you've got to sort out and you need to come away from the spring feeling pretty good about something. Yeah, I think that, number one, I'm going to say uh, Garantano makes you confident and makes his teammates confident around him and gives the staff confidence in him. And, and I, I think that's, that's for me, number one or number two, because the other one is I, I want to – if I'm Tennessee's coaches, I want to leave spring practice, and I want to set the bar not too high on this. I want to set it at a reasonable level. I want to leave spring with five offensive linemen – who I say, if I got to go into a game tomorrow, these guys will not get my quarterback killed. These guys will give me a chance. They don't have to be great, but I want five guys that I can put in an SEC game tomorrow, and I would feel pretty good, at least like that you're not just collapsing like crumpled paper on every single, you know, drop back, basically, and have some room for your guys to operate. Uh, there's lots of other things you'd like. You'd like uh, – Timmy Jordan to have a good spring there at running back and to, to give you a nice number two option there. Uh, you, you would certainly or, – or, or let's see what happens with Fields and me. We, we don't know. Um, but – and I think that the wide receivers, there's a lot of them out there. Uh, they need to be good. Uh, you need to see Callaway step up and become a big-time player to make plays against – because if those guys aren't making plays against Tennessee's corners, uh, then I'm terrified because Tennessee's corners, as we'll discuss next week, are still a huge concern. So th- those are things that I'd like to have, but the, but the one thing that I just feel like I just got to have 
if I'm Pruitt and if I'm Helton and if I'm Friend and all those guys, is I'm, I want to leave spring practice saying I got five guys. That they won't get my quarterback killed. That, that, that would be – then you can have more time to develop in the summer and maybe, you know, hopefully get a guy like Trey Smith back, hopefully, uh, because that would change everything. You know, hope, hopefully you, you get uh, some guys getting bigger and stronger in the weight room developing. Uh, but if you, you got to leave a five. Because if you're leaving spring with like two or three offensive linemen you feel good about, you're, you're up a creek. You know, without a paddle, you're up Crap Creek with a turf for a paddle. You're you're in a you're in a tough spot there. So uh, that that's that's what I would what I would say is the things that I would like to to see here. So, guys, we will be back uh, back tomorrow. Well, I, I say we will be back tomorrow. Uh, Ramey and I will be there tomorrow. We'll have a lot of stuff to talk about. A huge week for Tennessee basketball uh, before Ramey and I get on the. Get on the bus and head to, uh, I'm not, it's not a bus, but, you know, get on the road for St. Louis for the SEC basketball tournament. We got a lot that we'll talk about tomorrow with that. Thanks for tuning in this week again. Dancing with the Knoxville Stars. Go donate. And come get a table. Come on. You can, you can watch me embarrass myself. I know a lot of you would like to see that. That's easily worth the price of admission. Exactly. Exactly. So, guys, you're going to hear me talk about a lot of, a lot about that in the next few weeks, but uh, it's only because it's for a good cause. I certainly don't want anybody to see me embarrass myself, uh, but that's going to happen. Patrick, any final thoughts? Nope. <laughs>